welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 96, for Saturday the 14th of April 2018. I seem to have been celebrating a number of podcast anniversaries recently. This diary is going to be at episode number 100 in four weeks' time. We've just done the two-year anniversary, and then we had the 100th anniversary of the uh, guest interviews uh, as well earlier this year. So it seems like we've got anniversaries coming out of our ears at the moment. So it's all all very nice that the uh, podcast is so well established now. So one month's time, episode number 100 of the diaries. I never thought I'd have done 100 diaries, but there's quite a a writing uh, chronology in there now. For anybody who's starting writing and wants to follow it through, you've got all the the pains, the gains, you've got everything in there, waltz and all in those diaries. So it's quite a nice little record, actually. And uh, when you start these things, you never quite think you're going to get to episode number 100. But when you do, it's really nice looking back to think, wow, there's quite a nice little potted history of my writing in there. Anyhow, that's enough of me blethering along. Let's get on with the writing news. And um, it's been a funny old couple of weeks because I'm out of routine. We're in the Easter holidays at the moment. I was away on Wednesday doing something completely different. Nothing to do with writing, nothing to do with crypto, uh, something completely different that I'm uh, having a look at. And I was down in Peterborough uh, receiving some training for that. And then uh, what, what else has happened? I've been away quite a lot, haven't I? Oh, that's right. I went down to uh, Lincolnshire uh, to see the family. So it's been very, very disrupted over the past couple of weeks. And of course, I'm not writing at the moment at all. I'm just thinking of ideas. So it's a very um, funny time for me. I got a little bit itchy fingered earlier on in the week, uh, really quite keen to start writing again, but I'm not ready yet. And I, I haven't really got my ideas fleshed out yet. So no writing being done at the moment. Just thinking, 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 constantly churning ideas, thinking about things that I want to write about. I think I'm getting there. I discussed an idea with my wife over breakfast this morning, which she instantly liked. And it was something that I could summarize in 20 words, that kind of elevator pitch. So I think I'm gradually edging towards the story that I want to write. Now, I've just done a lot of planning today. I've had a really interesting week, actually. It feels like it's ever so long. I've recorded this and it's Friday. So on, I only did two days of formal work this week. And then I, I hopped on a train on Tuesday evening down to Peterborough, then had a training day in Peterborough on Wednesday. So I've had Thursday, Friday. I've got Saturday and Sunday. It feels like I'm on this you know, huge holiday at the moment. It's it's really bizarre, uh, the amount of time and space that it feels like it's created. So I feel like I haven't done very much. But as ever, I'm chugging stuff away all the time. Now, I can't remember where I was going with that, but um, I think that the, the point is that I don't have to... Oh, that's right, I was doing some planning today, some longer-term planning, because I've also committed, as a result of this class that I did on Wednesday, to doing quite a hefty training course in June. So I was just working out how everything fits in. And I don't have to start writing this book. I think the, the very last sort of day where I must start writing. And to be honest with you, I have, I've got buffer days and things, but I think it's going to be the 5th of May. But I, I hope, I think I might be ready, um, depending on what happens, I might be ready on the 26th of April, potentially, potentially the 19th of April. But I don't think it'll be the 19th, but I might be ready to start writing on the 26th of April. Now, I've got Who to Trust uh, being proofread at the moment. And Who to Trust comes back 
uh, when is it, the 19th of April. So I had, just for logistical reasons, because I'm going to be away at a crypto conference next week, the following week uh, end, or Friday 27th, 28th and 29th, I was going to do my final read through and check through and then ultimate publication of who to trust. So a little, little bit of flexibility around there. I'd like to dispatch who to trust first, I think, before I start writing again. But um, the other thing I might do on the 26th, Thursday the 26th, is I might start to write the opening chapter, which always really sets it up for me. I, I might just write the opening chapter on that day and spend a lot of time working on that. So as I say, 5th of May is really the latest I can start writing. To be honest with you, I could go as late as the 10th of May and still have this book written by the end of the summer holidays. Um, but but this week, uh, now I'm sort of finished running around doing all my bits and pieces. I can settle and the schools are back. We're, we're, we're back into routine. As you know, I'm not good at routine, uh, or lack of routine. I, I'm better when I'm in a routine. Um, I, I'll be able to settle more, I think, this week. But next Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I'm down at Heathrow, one of the hotels around Heathrow, doing a crypto conference all weekend, which is you know, obviously feeding into another side of, of the business. So, um, you know, interesting times, lots going on. Uh, but I am mindful that i got to start writing that book. We've got to start putting pen to paper, so to speak, figuratively, and, and get that done. So no writing news as such. I have got some some big news for you. Well, big news, um, significant writing news for you in a moment or two. But um, I'm really just kind of uh, waiting. I'm waiting for Who to Trust to be edited uh, to see what that comes back like. Uh, I had a I had a beta read the other day, which was really good, a really good beta reader who came back and said, oh, I love, love the story, which was really nice. Uh, you know, just, just gave me a list of things that um, she'd spotted that were wrong, um, but just said, oh, re- really enjoyed the story and the format of it. So that was nice just to have a nice, clean, you know, enjoyed that. That was good. So um, I'm, I'm waiting for one or two more back because I, I sent it off to my, to, to, to my beta readers. It's quite an informal set of beta readers. So uh, hopefully I'll get one or two more back before I start doing my final uh, read through it and just the final, final changes that I might make. Uh, I'm also waiting at the moment for Stuart Bache to come back with the the three, I guess, debut or promo covers um, or initial designs for my Don't Tell Meg trilogy. Um, so uh, there'll be a little bit of toing and froing with this. There always is. So he'll come up with three designs at some point. Um, hopefully I love them, but there's usually one or two changes, color, fonts, you know, messing around with things like that. Um, I haven't got a clue what I'm going to get back from him. I did get a, a, an email back from him the other day. I'd sent him this long brief and, um, and it sort of passed first time. He said, that's great. That's all we need. Uh, we can get on with that. So I was quite pleased with that. I put the book sizes in there and, um, I put the, you know, the, all the, the blurb and everything like that. And I'd sent him a whole load of covers that I like. And said, basically, I want this. This won't mean anything to you if you if you're not in the UK. But we have a a television book club, um, which is hosted by a, a couple called Richard and Judy. It's extremely popular. Everybody aspires to have their book on there. And I've actually found a number of thrillers that I've read off there. Uh, it gives books huge prominence. So I said to Stuart, I want my Don't Tell Meg books to look like they wouldn't be out of place on Richard and Judy. So I'm looking for that kind of quality of design. Um, so basically I'm just waiting for them to come back in and then we can start the little tweaks that we do and, and then they'll pop out. I'll pay for them. And at the end of April, I could resubmit with to BookBub. Now the, the income, the book income is, is down to normal and exciting levels now. Um, so the, the, the BookBub 
long tail, if you want to call it that, has now it's pretty well ended. I mean, my 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 baseline has gone up, but it's not it's not livable wages anymore. We're not on exciting money like we were when we had the four thousand pounds in the month. Um, so that's going down. I would expect that to continue to go down. So, um, I, you know, I, I'm quite nervous about this book, Bub. I hope that hopefully it'll be a strong proposition when I resubmit it to say last time we got rid of 45,000, you know, this time I've paid a thousand pounds to put great covers on them. Um, you know, the reviews are, are good. They're all above the averages that they need to be. So hopefully that will be a tempting proposition for BookBub. But I have to be completely aware that just because I got the one doesn't mean I'm going to get the second one. It's very disappointing if I don't get the second one because uh, I, I would really be useful just business-wise at the moment to get some some significant cash flow in. Um, I think I think what I would do if I did get another book bub and got that cash flow back in, I'd like to – well, I got, I got a couple of things I want to spend it on. So I'd like to go back to Stuart Bache and get the last four thriller covers done. So when I commissioned the design with Stuart, I said, although these three are a trilogy, I want you to come up with a brand – so that when I come back to you for the last four covers, or however many there are by the time I come back to him, um, I want them to look like they're all part of the same series. You know, you can see they're all the same brands. He's effectively creating an author brand for me across my thrillers now. So um, I would like to earn the money for that. Now I'm paying about just short of a thousand pounds for these three covers. So probably four. I- I'm guessing he'd do me a job lot because he'll have the core design. So I'm, I'm I reckon probably one thousand two hundred and fifty. Four covers. So again, a book bub would be useful for that. If I can pop 1,250 in the pot. The other thing is, is that, um, you know, I'm doing Project Bloodhound this year. So I've already budgeted for and got the income in for, or when I say I've got the income in, I've got the, um, I, I don't pay for my books from my personal cash. I, 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 my corporate work, when I do corporate training, all of that goes through the business. So I do the corporate training to to pay things like a thousand pounds for book covers. So I keep my the three days of, of work that I do a week that pays for life, the house, family, car, every, everything that's domestic, and then the additional corporate training that I do, the client work that I take on, any 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 book income, affiliate income, any other income sources, they go through the business. And they then have to self-fund the my my writing business, and then I also take some money out of that um, occasionally for earnings too, usually for holidays or, or items of additional expenditure. So that that tends to be how the business works. So uh, this has to be self-fueling. It doesn't come out of of if you want domestic money. It has to come out of earned money. So this is a self-fueling uh, business. It has to pay for itself. Um, and I'm not making enough book sales at the moment to to pay to pay for this, uh, to, you know, to, to bootstrap it. So this is why I do the corporate training uh, to, to bring in the extra money to pay for the things I need to get the books out. So that's a long way round of telling you that um, if I get a book bub, I, so I, I, I've got enough corporate work booked in at the moment to pay for the book covers, to pay for the structural edit that I've got booked for September, to pay for the proofread that I'm just having done on who to trust. And to pay for an editor, uh, a bloodhound, or an editor who works with bloodhound to look at my project bloodhound book, and those are my expenditure commitments by the end of this year. I don't currently have designated income to pay for another four covers, so a book bub promo 
would enable that. That would be very nice if that came in. And also, if I could get a second BookBub promo, that's I'm, I'm aiming. Again, these are loose plans at the moment, but I'm aiming to get another book written by Christmas, another 90,000-worder, and I want that to be a sci-fi. And that's good to be a, I don't want to call it literary fiction sci-fi, but it's going to be completely different from the sci-fis I've written, in that it's more high concept, is that the word? It's just a bit posher, a bit more substantial um, science fiction, if you want. And I want to get that book written by Christmas. Now, these are tentative plans at the moment, but this is this is where I'm going with this year. So I would like also to be able to budget for another structural edit on that one, because I'm going to try and get that, as I have done, as I am doing with Project Bloodhound, because I also write science fiction, I want to do the same with my science fiction. I want to try and put a a book that I've put a lot of effort into getting structural edits and you know really, really, really working on the craft of it. I want to put that round through some uh, traditional outlets because I, I, I'm kind of half aiming. I'll self-publish them if, no, if there's no interest and still make sales. But I, I want to try and get those through a more traditional platform because I think that that will help now to drive to my self-published platforms. That it's it's they're two strategic books, very very strategic books, and, and they're being written solely for that purpose um, to to try and build a different platform that would be more traditional in nature. So if I could make another three thousand quid out of a bookbub promo, which is about half of what I made out the first one, that would be extremely welcome it would be um it would it basically enable me to earn the three thousand quid from a promo without me having to go out and earning it by doing corporates so um that that's why i'd like that next that next book bub promo now as, as i say just because i had one doesn't mean i'm going to get another one i'm very very aware of that but i'm hoping the fact that we've got some track record we shifted forty five thousand copies last time and i've spent a lot of money on getting some great covers I'm hoping that will be attractive enough to BookBub to take me out for another spin. I only need to earn 50% of what I earned last time to hit my my income goals. Uh, and then I, I kind of have got the income that I need then um, to, to, to reach my targets through to the end of the year. That's kind of where I'm going with that. So that's a fairly, you know, broad brushstroke thinking. But, but in summary, by the end of the year, I'd like to have Stuart Beige covers and all my thrillers. So they look really, really great. Uh, they look really branded, very, very strong covers. That will then mean that I've got proper design covers on all my 14 fiction books because the secret bunker I paid for, they were a thousand and something for those covers. Uh, the grid I paid for, they were, um, I got those done cheaper, but they're nice, uh, covers. They were whatever they were, 800 pounds or something like that. I got a proper design on phase six. And if I could just get these last covers done, then I, everything's going to look, you know, pretty, pretty good, pretty good. So. That's where I'm going with this. And, and also I've got another, I want to get another two books written this year. So the strategy really is, is to sweat the books that I've written and to try and generate income from books I've already written to enable me to take time out to write two longer books, which will be more thoroughly edited with, um, what you call them, structural edits and go through the full editing process, which is obviously more expensive than what I've been doing. And then to try and come up with a book in both of my key genres, science fiction and thrillers, which um, I hope will be pretty, pretty hot to trot, I hope. I mean, they ought to be. They'll have been through enough editorial hands by that stage to then maybe start dropping among some agents um, and some some carefully selected traditional 
publishers because I'm not just going out for a trad deal. I'm going out for a more traditional deal with someone who knows what they're doing with ebook publishing. So Bloodhound really a perfect example of that. I don't think off the top of my head I can give you a perfect example of who that might be for sci-fi yet. I'm going to have to do some research on that. But whoever it is won't just be a traditional publisher. They'll know what they're doing and they'll be shifting some serious units in terms of um, those those genres. That's really what I'm looking for. So there you go. That's 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 us up to date. Now I got some quite interesting general news this week. Uh, I started yesterday. I don't know whether I mentioned this. I I applied to do some work with New Writing North. Now um, there's not an awful lot goes on in the, in the North, but um, if, if it does, then New Writing North are usually involved in it, and they've done some great things. I've I've attended um, a couple, uh, about three, three maybe four of their events now. They hold a great annual event over in Newcastle. Um, one of those is a crime event. It's every two years. And then they do a kind of general writing event every two years. They just alternate them. And then I did something down in Kendall at the Brewery Arts Centre. I think it was, I think it was really just guidance for a writing competition, a regional writing competition. And then because I'm on the email list, something popped in my inbox the other day, which was basically saying they've got some funding. It's some European funding. <laughs> Don't laugh, everybody. Uh, you know, some European funding uh, for as long as we've got it to support um, authors in the north to improve their digital presence. And this is right up my street, as you know. I love all this sort of stuff. And so there were a number of contracts involved in that. And I applied for a contract to work with uh, authors to to just basically um it's just what I do really by day working with businesses um talking them through their their web presence helping them with the technical the geeky kind of stuff advising them on all the SEO bits and pieces um ju- just really what I do but with authors this time I thought I'm going to have a go at that and it's paid of course as well but strategically I'm very interested in you writing north and I would really like to get more involved in them I, you know I'll tell you what my kind of my dream aspiration is, and that is to work alongside New Writing North to create a self-publishing event in the north of England. There you go. How's that for a a smart objective? Okay. Now I, I don't the only it's not smart because I haven't got a time scale on it. It's a general objective simply because I don't have the time uh, you know at the moment to push, push, push for it. But but from my point of view, I, I really want to get to know people at New Writing North because they, to me, would be the people, if we organised a self-publishing conference for the north of England, they would be the people to do it. And I, frankly, have got all the contacts in self-publishing world. You know, we could get the Alliance of Independent Authors up there. Um, I'm just trying to think. Um, well, I know, I know lots of people we could get up there. You know, we could get some big earners um, to, to come and, and talk and, and share what they're doing um, in digital and um, I, I, it's something I'd love to do. And uh, as you know, you heard me rant on this podcast enough times about how sparse events are in the north, and you'll hear how excited I get when we have events in the north of England. You know, I, I, I've just done it this week. I spend my life, I, I finish work at five o'clock on Tuesday, jumped on a train at Carlisle at half past five, arrived in Peterborough at half past 10 so got into my hotel at 11 was up the next morning to do a day of training then after the day of training I was on on the train and didn't get back because the trains were all delayed you know until whatever it was nine o'clock the next night and I don't mind that because I'm highly motivated to do this but I spend much of my life on trains heading down south 
And um, the joy of events in the north is that the hotels and the travel is much cheaper. Hotels are peanuts in the north. It's fantastic. I have to say, actually, in Peterborough, the, the hotels are very cheap. But anything in London just costs a fortune. And and uh, with the travel involved, you know, for me, just to get to London, it's a big deal. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of train. It's a lot of disruption in terms of time. It's expensive hotels as well. And it has to be worth my while to go to London. I, and and if, unless I can batch things, and by batching, I usually mean maybe have one or two business meetings down there, perhaps uh, meet my brother. My brother works down there too and, and have, you know, several things on while I'm down there to justify the cost. Um, I don't do it um, because, you know, it, I can't justify it in business terms. So it's lovely to have events in the North and I would, that's my long-term aim to kind of get to know the people at New Writing North uh, for them to trust me. Uh, and that's what this is about. What I hope to do as a result of this is to get some great feedback um, from the people I'm working with for that to go back to New Writing North and then for that to open that kind of that kind of dialogue um, so that people can see that I know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, it's really just about, you know, there's, there's hundreds of people out there who probably all got sorts of great ideas for New Writing North, but I need to build my credentials. That's what I'm doing with them. I'm building my reputation and credentials with them. And, um, and at some point, you know, I want to have that conversation about how about we look at organising a self-publishing event for the north of England that might become something regular so um again you know that's a long long you, you're you're getting all my thought processes in that but uh, the work was great so uh, basically I've got um I've got two people that I'm working with two two guys um one of them actually uh, the, the gentleman I was doing yesterday is going to be a guest on the podcast where um, he's having a site built for him I don't do the site building I just help him with the content, the advice, the kind of digital guidance about his channels and, and what he needs on it and how he should do it. And I said to him, because he's he's um, he's traditionally published, uh, but has also done self-publishing, I said to him, Joe, I'm, I'm going to interview you for the podcast, if, if that's all right. And then when you get this brand new website, you can stick your interview on the podcast. But he's he's got a great story for the podcast. So I've booked him in as a podcast guest too. So you know, <laughs> we we never leave any scraps on the table in this business. You know, we, we explore all opportunities and all avenues. But he's, he's going to be a great guest. He's got a great story to tell um and the other gentleman i'm doing is a playwright so we haven't spoken yet so he, he might also end up as a, an additional guest on this podcast because he's been in traditional publishing for years he, he's got a press in the north of england uh, and i was looking at his site today thinking oh I, I feel a podcast interview coming on so um you know i'm not i'm not sure yet but the the work is great i've got three two-hour sessions with both of them so 12 hours work it's paid work we do it over skype um, and as I say, it, it sort of gets me closer to new writing north as somebody who's done some work for them, somebody who's on the, been on the payroll. So, um, we'll see where that leads. I'll keep you up to date with that, but it's um, certainly very interesting and I'm, I'm pleased to do it. And, and basically I've not, I, I, I've basically cleared April and May of client work of the client work I normally do. This is, this is replacing the client work I do. So I said a couple of months ago, I won't be doing any client work, um, during April or May because I'm, this is going to be my client work for April or May. So again, you know, what I'm trying to do is move my eggs into fewer baskets now. And I, and I would like them to be the self-employed baskets. You know, I want it to support the writing, want it to support the crypto stuff I'm doing too. So there is a, a general, general sort of pincer movement here, which I think I outlined to you when I was talking to you about my quarter two goals, trying to boil down and, and focus much more now. So I'll let you know how that goes, but we're working together basically through April and May and we've got I've got um, how many sessions is it six sessions booked over the next couple of months but I'm looking forward to those it's good it's really interesting work 
Um, next news is I had a promo on last week. This is, this is actually, I almost forgot to tell you this when I was writing down my notes for this diary. And I was thinking, what have I got to tell you this week? And then I put all of the notes down. I thought, I'm sure there was something happened this week that I need to tell you about. And of course, it's the promos. I've had a book promo going this week. And I thought, oh, blimey, I can't not tell you about this because it's really important. So just to take you back to the basics, um, I interviewed John Cronshaw a couple of weeks ago. And John told me about a book site that he'd used, a promo site called Book Adrenaline. And he had used it for science fiction. And why I had never heard of Book Adrenaline before, he'd done very well with it. And what particularly interested me about it was that with Book Adrenaline, you could do a double promo. So the first promo is for a free book, and then you can have a promo that runs alongside it for a 99 pence or cents reduction. And you know, I always like this one, two hit process where you have, you get them with one thing and then you upsell them with the other. It's just, it's just basic online marketing. Um, so I, that really attracted me. Now, when I was booking my science fiction promo through Book Adrenaline, just basically following on what John was saying to me, it emerged that they had a site for thrillers as well, which they called, he says, trying to remember what it's called. It's not called Book Adrenaline. Oh, darn, I should have had this. Just excuse me while I do a, a, a live lean over to look at my notes from last week because my memory is so bad. Is it Book Adrenaline? Yeah, it's, it is Book Adrenaline. So what's the one I'm doing in a couple of weeks end? The sci-fi one. That's got a different name. What's the one that John told me about? Oh, Book Barbarian. Sorry, I'm getting my things mixed up. You can tell what, what deep planning goes into doing these diaries. Yeah, I'm getting them mixed up. So Book Barbarian is the science fiction one that John told me about. And when I was booking for Book Barbarian for the Grid and Phase 6, I noticed that they do a thriller version, which is called Book Adrenaline. God, they've all got such weird names. I spent my life trying to remember the names of softwares when I'm doing corporate trading because they've all got weird names. I could never remember them. Um, so, yeah. So I did Book Adrenaline on Thursday, last Thursday, and I did a, a promo on, um, what's it called? Dead of Night. I can't even remember the titles of my own books. Dead of Night. And the, the seller was One Fatal Error. I can't even remember the names of my own books. One Fatal Error? Yeah, One Fatal Error. <laughs> oh, God, I've got so many books. I can't even remember the titles of the plastic things, let alone the characters. So, um, yeah, One Fatal Error and Dead of Night. Dead of Night was free and One Fatal Error was the sale. So on Thursday, I had that that duo going i had one fatal error running at 99 cents pence or week and i had um as a as a promo and then i had on amazon and then i had um dead of night running as a freebie and i followed it up on the friday with a free booksy promo a free booksy thriller promo so let me give you the numbers and and, and as always um book adrenaline was okay i should say to you that book adrenaline was about a quarter to a third of the price of Book Barbarian. So what it looks like is Book Barbarian, they started with Book Barbarian. This is the one that John recommended to me and said he'd done well with. Uh, that costs about three or four times more what I paid for, for, darn, these names are complicated to remember. Book Adrenaline, the thriller version. Uh, that was quite cheap. Uh, free books, it was its usual price. Um, so on the Thursday, we had Book Adrenaline going. I got rid of, through Book Adrenaline, 543 free copies of Dead of Night. Then on the Friday, Free Booksy kicked in. So we got a, we got a tailover from Book Adrenaline and Free Booksy. So on Friday, I gave away 2,937 free copies of Dead of Night. On Saturday, that reduced to 632. And then on Sunday, it went down to 211. 
So what is that? Three thousand, three, four thousand free copies of Dead of Night. Now, Dead of Night um, it doesn't have enough reviews on it. So objective number one with this is to get Dead of Night into the hands of readers and get reviews on it. Um, I need reviews on it. I need reviews on all of my um, thrillers other than the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. That's got plenty of reviews, but um, I do need them on these standalone thrillers. So I'm going to, to get those. I'm probably going to have to do these free promos. Um, so those numbers, the free numbers, are pretty good, I think. And But what, I, what I'm not seeing, when I promote Don't Tell Meg, the first the first um, copy, the first book in that series, I always get good buy-throughs on books two and three. What I've noticed with my standalones is that I don't get buy-throughs from the standalones. So I can shift whatever it is, you know, three, three to 4,000 free copies, but I don't see the uptake on buy-throughs that I do with Don't Tell Meg. So when I've got the series. So the series are easier. I'm finding the series, frankly, easier to promote. Don't Tell Meg is sort of fast becoming my, my kind of biggest asset. In, in, in book terms. Um, neither, uh, this, I was surprised at this. With Don't Tell Meg, I shifted loads of, of copies of uh, Don't Tell Meg, the full trilogy. So people bought through the trilogy. That's where I made my money on that. But what I didn't see is is read-throughs to the standalones. And that surprised me because you would think that if you read Don't Tell Meg trilogy and you enjoyed it, you would say, okay, well, I enjoyed this reader. What else has he written? And you'd find that I've written well, three three more books, and there's one on on pre-sale at the moment. So that surprised me actually, because they're very heavily promoted at the beginning and the end of each book. So it's no surprise that I've written these books. I'm working pretty hard to get you into them, but the the, the read through I found uh, disappointing, to be honest with you. the The other thing that was disappointing about this is that if you remember, with Book Adrenaline, I had. Dead of Night as a freebie, and I'm quite happy for what that cost me. I'm quite happy with getting rid of 400. And I beg your pardon, 543 copies. That, that seems fine to me for what I paid for Book Adrenaline. But the, the, I made some sales of One Fatal Error, which was then uh, on sale at 99 pence or cents. And I, I, I've sold some copies through the week, but nothing that excites me in any way. Nothing of the volume that we did on BookBub. So, um, you know, the objective, objective one is shift some copies and get some reviews. Well, we've shifted nearly 4,000 free copies of dead of night so that certainly got copies into a lot of hands and and of course a lot of people those will just sit on their their e-readers and never get read i just have to hope that enough people read through we get some reviews the next thing is is buy through so the the book adrenaline second prime didn't really do a lot for one fatal error i mean i i shifted some books i sold some books but it was only 99 cents so the income doesn't excite me but it did get that book into more people's hands so it's it's getting books into hands to get reviews so really that's the only objective that it reached it didn't really help me reach any income goals um nothing that excites me anyway um, and I was a bit disappointed of the uptake from the second book. So, um, my, my kind of review, if you want, of book adrenaline, um, is that it shifts free books. Didn't really have a buyer's market there. I sold a few, but, but not many. Um, John recommended sci-fi to me and I've got a sci-fi promo going on the 26th and 27th of April. So, um, I've got, uh, phase six of the grid on Book Barbarian then, and Book Barbarian costs lots more. I've got Book Barbarian on the Thursday, and I've got Free Booksy on the Friday. So we'll see how that works with the sci-fi books, if that works any better with the sci-fi books. 
Um, but I mean, I think really with all of my standalone thrillers, they're all going to have to go through a process like this just to get some readers and some initial reviews on them. So I, I probably would repeat that for free, for free books, but I wouldn't repeat it for um for income i'm not i won't have income expectations you know it gives you a little flutter but nothing that excites me not in the way that a book bubble excites me um this doesn't excite me for, for income it didn't make a, a massive change um you know so really that kind of takes me back it's very frustrating because it kind of takes me back where we were which is that it's easy enough to get rid of the freebies but how do we turn that into sales and, and the thing that's worked brilliantly for me as you know is 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 the book bub and that in many ways puts more uh you know pressure on uh to get that next book bub because that will bring in some really good uh income if i get it even if it's half the income of last time it, it will it will help to just bootstrap the business till the end of the year so i think in conclusion i'm gonna go for book bub i i, I tell you what I, I i tell you what this is useful for is I honestly don't think I would put a standalone book on BookBub. I'd, I'd like to know who's done that. I mean, I, I know I was talking to Graham Smith, uh, my my guest this week, and Graham, you know, pretty well said, he says it in the interview, that he got, um, you know, to number one in charts and things with the free promo. But when he did his promo, he's got books with Bloodhound now. He's got um, subsequent books in his series. But when he got the promo, he didn't have subsequent books. So he said, what, what happened is, you know, I, I got lovely chart prominence. I shifted a lot of free copies, but it didn't bring anything in on income. Now that would be different for Graham now because he's got three, you know, coming up four, I think it is books in that series. So if he now got a, a book bub, he'd get read throughs. People would buy the other copies. He'd make some money from it. And that's, that's how I feel with this really is all I, all I really got was I got, I got rid of free. Oh, by the way, the other thing I should tell you is it got to number one in the States. Um, I, I forget all of this stuff. I've got screenshots of it. I'll put it on the, uh, I'll put it on the resources page. I've got the screenshots for it, but, um, I got to number one in three USA charts this week with that book. So this is not the paid charts. This is the free chart. So again, you know, as an objective, don't, uh, dead of night, I beg your pardon, is now a number one. If you, you know, I, I wouldn't stretch this, but it was, it, it's a number one Amazon bestseller. That's what it says on the screenshot. Amazon number one bestseller. Now I didn't sell any copies, but I shifted enough copies to get into three USA thriller suspense charts. So I also hit that objective with it. Now you may, you may be listening to this thinking, Paul, you know, I've only sold two copies this week. What are you, what are you moaning about with this? That, you know, I'd be delighted to have that. But the, the reason I'm moaning about it is is not because I don't recognise as being that as being a small achievement that the ability to to shift nearly four thousand free books and to get to the top of an American chart. You know I understand that. That's why I've taken screenshots of things. I understand that I can leverage there. But I've been in that zone for too long now. I know that's a good achievement when you're looking at the the steps that you have to take and the stepping stones that you need to take in your author career. I understand that that's exciting. It's a lot of books. It's books like many people would never have shifted before. And even the sales I got would be sales probably that many people won't, wouldn't have made before. And I, and here I am sticking my nose up at it. And the reason I'm sticking my nose up at it is because I've been on this step too long now. Um, and I need to move up the next step. And that's what all my efforts are about is moving up to that next step. So yeah, you know, it's, it's good. It's fine. It's fine. 
but it's not good enough for me. I've been doing this. I, I know I can do this now. You know, I know, I know that I can do a free book promo. I know I can get it to the number one in the American charts usually because I shift enough books. I just have to stick it on free booksy. I know I'll make a little bit of extra money, but nothing to get excited about. Uh, and that's good. Of course it's good. Um, but I've been doing that for too long now. Uh, I've done that several times with several books and I've got to move on. I need to be getting a book number one in the solds. That's what, that's what I want next. I don't want it in the freebies. I want it in the solds. Then I'll start getting excited. I'll start getting excited when I get the orange bestseller tag, you know, not for freebies, but for sales. That's what I'm aiming for next. So this is not me um, bemoaning my lot. It's simply saying that I've been on this step too long now and I need to move upwards. And, and, and you know, I, you should never sell. You should never be happy with what you've got. You should always be looking at the next. You should be happy with what you've got. You should celebrate it. I beg your pardon. But you should always be looking at the next tier. Otherwise, you're, you're just stuck up. You're stale if you're not looking at the next step. If you're not always looking up, you're, you're, you're stale. You're, you're stagnating. So uh, that's how I feel about it. So I also got good page reads, of course, which I always do when I do freebies. So um, I, I, I absolutely will not. I would not put a standalone book on BookBub. I just wouldn't do it. So um, I'm going to keep pushing the Secret Book Trilogy. I'm going to see, uh, well, book one. I'm going to keep pushing the Grid Trilogy. I'm going to keep pushing the Don't Tell Meg Trilogy. And I might try a box set on BookBub. The reason that I might try a box set on BookBub, um, and you'll hear this on Monday's interview if you listen to what Meg Cowley's done, uh, that's the strategy that she used, and she made her money from reads. So you, you give away something of immense value, like a box set for free. And although many people will pick that up for free, and of course it will put put you up a chart because it's immense value, what actually happens is you still make money from that, from read-throughs. And because a trilogy is like, you know, 800 pages or something like that, you get huge page reads on something like that. Now, I'll talk to you about Meg's interview in a moment or two, but that's the strategy she used. I'm very interested in that as well. But I would not stick a standalone book that leads nowhere on BookBub. I think you'd probably get lovely chart positions. And if that's important to you, that's fine. I think you'd shift a lot of books, but I don't know whether you'd make your money back. I haven't made my money back on this one, this promo I've done. This is a vanity promo. Uh, that That's all it is. It's 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 hasn't made me the money back. Anywhere near the money back that I spent on it. That That's how little I made on it. So this has not worked from an income point of view. BookBub does. It costs a lot. So you've got to be pretty sure of making your money back. And that's why I wouldn't do it unless I had a, a trilogy to promote. It works beautifully with trilogies. Um, so that's kind of where we are with that. I've got the, um, I've got the proper one, which is the one John said he'd had success with the book barbarian one. That's coming up on Thursday 26th. So I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. I'll tell you how that one works, but I didn't have massive expectations of this, as you know, because it, it I said, I said to you, it felt to me like, Book Adrenaline was just something they were starting in a new genre. The price difference was quite considerable. So, you know, I, I had low expectations of the results. And, you know, the thing about a free booksy, see, a free booksy in the past uh, has actually, when I've done it on a trilogy, a free booksy has given me $1,000 of income in a month. So if I were promoting Don't Tell Meg on free booksy, that would actually usually give me $1,000 of income. So, that you know, the lesson here is, Trilogies, promote trilogies, promote 
series because they seem to do really well. This is my experience of it. But I, I, the truth be told, I will probably take the hit, the financial hit, on all of my four standalone thrillers just to get them out there, just to get some reviews on them, you know, to get some traffic on them, to get some people reading them and, and passing them around. And that's probably a financial hit I'll take. But my expectations of sales will be pretty low, I think, of those. I'll, I'll make some, but not many. Uh, and they will have to be a loss leader because it's the only way I can get some traffic on the books to get some reviews on them. And when I got some reviews on them, then you can start to, you know, promote them and package them and do things with them. So, you know, as ever with all of these things, we'll just keep going with it. Just to let you know, it's been the London Book Fair this week. And uh, this is an interesting example of one of the things that as a northerner, um, I've jettisoned. So I went to the London Book Fair. It, it must have been as soon as I'd got the Secret Bunker published because I, I paid in my foolishness. I paid, I can't remember who I paid, but I paid to get the Secret Bunker on a bookshelf at the London Book Fair. And, and I was completely oblivious of, you know, how this all works. And it was like a complete waste of money. And I think, I think all I got from it was, you know, that kind of selfie of, hey, look, my book's on a bookshelf at the London Books Fair. It, you know, it didn't sell anything. It did absolutely nothing. Just sat there gathering dust. But hey, look, my book's on a bookshelf at the London Book Fair. That, that was it. Now, I, I went to be fair. I didn't know anybody at the time when I went to the London Book Fair. And I went on the last day. I think I, I was do, I, I was batching it. I was doing several other things while I was down there. And I wasn't very impressed, to be honest with you. I think I enjoyed talking to Amazon. I had a moan to them about um, about not being able to get my paperbacks dispatched from the UK and the costs of having to get them, because it was just create space in those days, the costs of having to get them sent from um, America. And they kind of said, oh, yes, yes, we're aware of that. And then it didn't change for a couple of years. And otherwise, I found it pretty boring and a waste of time. Now, remember those qualifications. I was on the last day, so everybody was tired and they were getting ready to pack up. And the other qualification is that I didn't know anybody then. I wasn't running this podcast. I didn't have any kind of networking experience. But my my view generally of the London Book Fair, now from, from my point of view, coming down from Carlisle, um, it's an expensive gig. It's, it's, you know, two or three days in London. It's um, a train fare. And it's a lot of days out of my schedule. Now, I, I got to tell you, probably nowadays, if I went down now, I would know a lot of people there. So as I'm wandering around, not, I would actually, if I went down, I would meet up with people there socially anyway. And actually, I would know a lot of people there just wandering around. I'd say, oh, hello, hello. You know, I'm Paul. We haven't met him personally. So I'd be seeing people all the time there, probably, if I went down there now. So what, I, <laughs> what I'm just about to do is to talk myself probably into going next year. Because what I was going to say to you is that I didn't go this year because it's you know it's too expensive and that I wouldn't really get that much out of it. But I've just talked myself out of that by saying to you that actually I would know a lot of people there now. And actually, it would probably be quite a good benefit for me to just spend a day or two just wandering around talking to people, recording some interviews and, and making some connections. So, um, so what I was about to tell you was absolutely rubbish, really. So I probably should consider going to the London Book Fair. But God, it's so darn expensive from Carlisle. I, you know, I know those of you who live in London will say, oh, blooming Northerners moaning all the time about the travel expenses. But how, when, when you mention to Northerners about coming up to Leeds, right, they, they all wince. Now, Leeds is only halfway up to the north. It's not even up as high up as where I am. And and poor old people in Scotland, you know, they're even further up in, in, in Scotland. So when you're when you're saying about Northerners moaning about how far they have to travel to get to London, 
All right. You see how how keen a southerner is to come and join you in Glasgow, um, you know, or, or Lancaster or Preston, even Manchester. They wince at, um, and that's what I have to do every time when I go down to London. So I have to really think about these things. I have to really think about you know where I'm going to put my time and what I'm going to spend my money on because you're probably looking if I went down to London Book Fair what with hotels and travel expenses and things you're looking at 400 500 quid just to roll up at the London Book Fair now you know and effectively it's just going to be for a bit of networking unless I've got some serious business down there you know I think I need to justify that now of course it would be very pleasant networking with everybody that would be very pleasant and enjoyable but in terms of there's a there's a lovely phrase I'm trying I can't remember was it Steve Redgrave was he is he the guy who rows can, canoes they're not canoes are they but you know in the in the the boat races is that Steve Redgrave I can't remember I embarrass myself well right it's a famous person you can tell I'm not very good at sport um it's a famous person who rows and he does a lot of sort of business related sp- talks now and his phrase is whoever this person is it might I can't remember that Steve Redgrave or not is does it make the boat go faster? Does it make the boat go faster? This is a really good maxim for your business about whether you should be spending time on it or not. Okay. So the concept is, is that they were Olympic rowing team and to get the gold medal, if that's what they got, they got a medal of some kind. Excuse my complete sport ignorance here. Um, it's made with muscles. It frightens me off. Um, so Olympics, gold medal, rowing, Britain. And to get there, Everything they did to make the gold medalists, they always used to say, does it make the boat go faster? Because if it doesn't make the boat go faster, you're wasting your time and your effort. And I love that phrase. Now, would going to the London Book Fair make my boat go faster? No, is probably the answer. It probably wouldn't, which is why I didn't go this year. So when you're trying to work out which things you should do, which things you shouldn't do, London Book Fair would be a very pleasant experience for me these days. I would meet a lot of people that I know and that I've connected with and probably have a very jolly time. Um, so, but it won't make, it probably won't make the boat go faster. Now you could say about networking, well, it might do. Just one networking meeting might make your boat go considerably faster. Um, but I, I think that probably at the moment it wouldn't make the boat go faster. That's, that's my view of it. So. That's really the, what I, the maxim that I applied. And instead, I went down to Peterborough on Wednesday. So I committed my, my time and my travel this week to going to Peterborough to learn a brand new skill, which should make the boat go considerably faster. And that was the decision I had to make with the London Book Fair. But, but you know, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, but remember that one. I, I, I heard that a couple of years ago at a, an entrepreneur's conference that I was at, and that stuck with me. And I, I often ask that when I'm looking at what must be done and what I could jettison, that, that's what I ask myself. Does it make my boat go faster? So hopefully that's a, a useful kind of idea for you. So that's why I wasn't at the London Book Fair. But when I see all the photos of people that I know, I think, oh, it'd be quite nice. But, um, you know, maybe next year. Um, I think if I went to London Book Fair, I would write off the couple of days and just enjoy them. I think, you know, really, that's how I have to view it. And this year, I've got too many things on. I got enough financial commitment. So I was at this this course in Peterborough. I'm going to be at a crypto event next weekend. A um, couple of weeks, I've just booked up for a three day course of a crime fest shortly. You know, you you just got you got to work out what you're prioritising and what you're not prioritising. But I think I may have just talked myself into going to LBF next year. 
<laughs> okay, you do get you get you see you get the full thought process here because I was going to have a random about LBF and then I ended up talking myself into going. <laughs> so there you go. Um, finally, then for this podcast diary, I interviewed Julie Corder this week. Now, Julie. Um, where did I meet Julie? I've met Julie at New Writing North event. So Julie is a fellow Northern writer who, uh, you know, gets as uptight as me about all these events being down in the South. Um, Julie's attended New Writing North event. So we've, we've seen each other at those as, as well. She goes to the Festival of Writing in York, which you'll know that I've attended in the past and really rate as an event. And, um, Ju- Julie's uh, a big supporter of the podcast, uh, for which I'm very grateful. Um, she sort of connected with the podcast very early and we, you know, we chit chat on social as, as you do. And also Julie was at 20 books 50k and we flew back from London to Newcastle airport together, uh, just because we were on the, booked on the same flights. And, um, so, uh, so I know Julie personally now, but I made that connection through this podcast originally. So, um, I wanted to talk to Julie because she produces nonfiction books, which have come out of her 30 year career in education. But also, she's uh, she's self-published those, by the way, uh, but also she's working towards self-publishing fiction. And by her own admission, she'll tell you that she has a lot of uh, blocks um, with with her fiction. Um, uh, she, she, again, by her own admission, she'll tell you that she probably lacks self-confidence with that, but also time management is a constant issue for her. So we had a really great interview. I interviewed Julie uh, on Monday for the podcast, and that interview is going to be running on the 7th of May. So let's just check his dates. Is that right? No, it's going to run on the 23rd of April. It's going to run on the 23rd of April. Um, the 7th of May is significant because on the 7th of May, I'm going to just run, I'm going to start reducing the number of interview episodes that I do. So I want to give you plenty of warning about this. Um, on the 7th of May, I'm going to go to fortnightly for May. And then from the 4th of June, we're going to go one interview on the first Monday of every month until the 1st of October. So one, so that's for the 7th of May. We start to just, I'll, I'll wean you off them. We'll go to one a fortnight first, then we'll go to one a month. Um, the podcast diaries will continue. Um, so they, the frequency of those won't change. These podcast diaries will just keep dropping into your podcast feed every Saturday. But it's just the interviews. I'm just going to change the frequency of those over summer up to the 1st of October, just to give me time to do other things. And with a hundred and something interviews behind me now, I feel like I can afford to do this. If you discover this podcast for the first time, and I know people still do it, you'll hear Joanna Penn saying about this. When people discover the podcast and decide they like it, they go right back to the beginning and listen. And I have enough back catalogue now, I feel, for me to be able to just take a little bit of time out for my own business, to create some more time for my own business, um, without harming anything too much because there's loads of interviews there um to keep us going and the podcast diaries which i know a lot of you do really value every week that they will continue because they take much less of my of my time to produce um so i just want to give you fair warning that all of that's happening but it'll happen on the from the 7th of may you'll have one uh an interview mid-may and then from monday the 4th of june we'll go to the first monday every month and that'll take us through summer to the first of october um, just to mention Tim Lewis, um, Tim Lewis actually was one of the photographs that I saw um, on Twitter. And Tim was at the London Book Fair. And, you know, Tim's just one of many people who were there that I know and could have gone for lunch with and had a good old yak with and catch up with. You know, so I, I know a lot of people in publishing now. So I, I have just shot my foot in my with my policy with London Book Fair. And I, I probably should get down there next year. 
not on the last day when people are all tired and pack it up, but on the first day when everybody's excited and, and you know, it's all very, very uh, buoyant and then arrange to have a load of meetings there while I'm there. I think that's probably the way to handle it. So I might, I, I tell you what I'll do now. I will, after this, after when I've recorded this, I'm going to get the dates for London Book Fair and stick them in the diary for 2019. That's not a promise I'm going to be there because life might get in the way, but I am going to make that tentative commitment to say I'm going to take it more seriously next year and hopefully meet a lot of people down there. Anyhow, the reason I'm mentioning Tim is that he tweeted the other day. He was listening to my podcast. Um, I've put the, the tweet, I've put the image on the resources page for this week's diary. Uh, Tim was listening to me at the underground station, um, traveling to his hometown of Watford. So thank you very much for tweeting that, Tim. And if you're listening, if you're listening to me right now, if you're doing something interesting, like going for a walk or, you know, at the top of a piece of scaffolding in a plane or wherever you are, just, just move your camera around, take a picture, let me know and tweet it to me and I'll feature you on the podcast and give you a shout out. I always like to see where people are listening to the podcast. Fascinating what people are doing when they do listen to this podcast. That's it for this podcast diary. Let's have a look at the time on this. It, oh my goodness, it's a long one. I do apologise for that. Crikey, that's long. I have been going on at length, haven't I, this week? So apologies for that, but hopefully it's all useful stuff. Uh, my guest on Monday is Meg Cowley, and this is the third time I've spoken to Meg for the podcast. Now, you'll know that when I do take two and take three interviews, it's because somebody that I've been following um, since this podcast began they've made substantial changes in their author career so um it's really rather than me hacking over the same old ground we're talking about completely different stuff uh they've done so much that it's worth me talking to them to them again because it's like a completely fresh interview so these aren't rehashes of old interviews we're like picking up where we left off and talking about all the new stuff that they're doing so this doesn't apply to every author but I'm, i've got a little group of authors now that i'm doing this with because they're making so many changes and meg's an excellent example of this first time i spoke to meg she was doing brilliantly with um, colouring books, adult colouring books. Next time I spoke to her, uh, she was in the doldrums because um, the market had just completely ended for adult colouring books. There was no money to be made there and she was making a switch to fiction and to make sure that she could continue to bring money in, she'd started designing book covers. So on the third time I talked to her, she had just hit her best month ever, $20,000 in in one month. She, she wrote to me yesterday by email to say she's not quite sure whether she's She's quite there yet because there's a few reporting discrepancies, but she thinks she's she's pretty well at twenty thousand dollars. I mean, <laughs> let's not argue about the odd dollar here or there. If if you're rounded up to twenty thousand dollars in one month, that is blooming amazing. It's blooming amazing. Uh, so uh, you know, I, I would love to have a twenty thousand dollar month. Let me tell you on my books. Uh, so Meg's going to be telling me how she did it, and I really push her. She keeps sort of saying, "Oh, I did this and that." And so hang on, that's not good enough, Meg. Let's go a little bit deeper into that and find out how you did that. Because I'm I'm nicking this technique. I've, having interviewed Meg, I am pinching her technique, and I'm going to try and give it a go because um, it's really interesting. The other thing she emailed me. This isn't on the interview, but she also said after that amazing month, she got an approach from the audiobook producers of The Martian. So Podium, you may have heard of Podium, and they kind of reach out to you. If they see a hot book, um, they reach out to you and they, they'll they offer to make it and, and, and do a deal. So um, Meg was telling me about that. So, I mean, you know, wow. So we, we've had the highs and the lows. We've had, you know, she was really, uh, not she's not really low, but she was really struggling a bit uh, the last time we spoke to her. And now this is wonderful that she's hit this best month ever. So she'll be telling us how to do that on Monday. It's essential listening, this. Let me tell you, this is a essential listening if you're trying to make more money online with your books. Meg's done a great job. And I tell you, I am going to backwards engineer the heck out of that. 
<laughs> and I'm going to be, that's what I'm going to be doing with my Don't Tell Meg book. Let me assure you of this. Um, and it wasn't done with a book bub, by the way. It was not done with a book bub. So that is episode number 112 of the Self-Publishing Journeys podcast. That's going to be uh, dropped in your podcast feed on Monday the 16th of April 2018. Blimey, we've almost hit an hour with this. I do apologise. I have been going on a bit, so apologies for that. Uh, hopefully, hopefully there's a few nuggets and gems in there for you. I will be back with you next Saturday. Um, it's going to be one of those time slip ones, I'm afraid, because when you listen to this next Saturday, I am going to be at a cryptocurrency conference uh, in the environs of Heathrow Airport. So I'm at a hotel near Heathrow. I would have flown down on the Friday. So it's another one of my time slip author diaries next week. Uh, but I hope you have a fantastic week of writing and I will catch up with you next Saturday. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.